0: Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to grow hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host,
1: Gael and Mark. Here we're going to talk about reviews and bias and being honest in reviews and all sorts of things relating product reviews. And for that, I have Mark. So how's it going, Mark? Good, as always, thanks. Cool. So the reason we actually decided to talk about this is recently we published a review on SMS on the Atari Hacker blog. And, you know, we don't like Rush as much as we like other tools, but we promised readers to review a bunch of the tools they've been using. And, you know, Rush is one of the most popular tools out there. It's been around for a long time. And we do feel that a lot of people use it out of habit rather than trying to be critical with the tool. And we did feel it wasn't as much value for money as other tools like Hrefs offer. And so we expressed that in a review. So it was not, you know, a, a review that says go buy it. It was, like you know, it's all right, but not our favorite. And Given the fact that in online marketing, ten people tend to just give five-star review to everything, I think the SEMrush team was caught a little bit by surprise and you know caught all sorts of conspiracy theories right, against us on why we hate them, etc. You know that's not the case. Actually, SEMrush we do affiliate marketing, right? We make money when people buy these tools. And SEMrush compared to like a tool like HRS literally makes us twice more money per click than Ahrefs does, for example. So I'd love to recommend SEMrush, but we try to kind of like, you know, express how we feel and, you know, what we do on our real sites every day. And, and literally I didn't use SEMrush for, for so long because I didn't feel it was on par with what we need. So how did you feel about that story, Mark?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not surprised something like this has, has hasn't come up sooner, if I'm honest with you. (laughs) <laughs> Looking at our income from the tools which we're reviewing on the authority hacker blog, it's pretty low. I you know there's a yeah. few guys out there that are publishing their income statements and they're making really like so much more so much more money than us when it comes to these kind of reviews and The reason yeah. is because they're recommending tools which pay out a lot of money and for whatever reason, I'm pretty sure there's like some kind of correlation between the quality of a product and the inverse correlation between the quality of a product and the amount of money it pays out in reviews because like active campaign i think it's like they have like the worst, so low, of, worst commission of all of those things but it is the best tool at least for for our purposes and so of course we recommend it
1: so yeah i,
0: I guess i'm i'm kind of not Same with
1: so i would i would say for like link building you know i trust probably one of the best but they have um, the worst of like, no, the like no the commission rate is okay but the conversion rate is pretty bad yeah and so as a result, we don't make that much money out of it. Um, but, you know, it's like at the premise of Atari Hacker is we show you behind the scenes on how we do things, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what we use. And also I think there is um, a tendency to recommend tools people don't necessarily need, you know. So I see like all these newbies buying like a convert kit from Padflin, et cetera, which, you know, it's fine. But like, I don't think you need that to get started. I don't think it's like, there's no point with like, an email list, I think, if you don't have any product to sell. Or if you have, don't have a proper monetization strategy and, you know, there's none of that there. And all these people, they don't even know how to set a a site up, but they're buying convert kit at 99 bucks a month, et cetera. So I I just do feel like we try to actually tell people, like, don't buy stuff you don't need as well, which definitely helps our income.
0: Yeah. I guess as well. And this is especially true in our market that if you go to Google and you search for, you know, product review or whatever, a lot of the people ranking are, they've, they're just trying to, you know they've created the review in order to capture traffic from that keyword and then make some money on it.
1: So of course, I mean, here's the challenge. Here's a challenge: find review below three stars in this market. You know.
0: Yeah, in any market though, you know, we, we see that in in health, particularly with like digital products. Uh, I find more than more than physical products seem to be that way. The Venus Factor, which is a an ebook about health, which we've reviewed before in Health Ambition. Forget the review below three stars. Find one honest review about that product. It doesn't exist. <laughs> I'll give you a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, ranking for like keyword made a lot of money. Like, if you can, I mean, not anymore. It's not as big of a product as it used to be, but, you know, ranking for this product, like, if you rank number one, you are making four figures a day just from that one review, essentially. Yeah. So it's like, people were like, it is a lot of money. But anyway, I think one thing I want to go back on is bias in reviews, you know? I think one thing that's quite important is that. Yeah, all reviews are biased, and especially on a site like Atari Hacker, where I would argue we have strong personalities and opinions, you know, that we're not shy to express. We're not trying to, like, please everyone and so on. Of course, reviews are biased, and, like, people don't come on our site to say, hey, like to just regenerate information on, on like, what is a rare canonical or whatever? Like, there is better size for that. They come here to get our opinion and to follow what we do because they trust that we're doing things that are, you know, a bit edgier.
0: I think it's important to say as well that I, I don't think any human being on the planet is capable of being a hundred percent unbiased. Like with our reviews on most of our sites, actually, we we really do try and be as unbiased as possible, as objective as possible. But it's just it's impossible because of our our lives, our histories, our our thoughts, our upbringing, our experiences. Like those are of course going to come into our any opinions we're going to be creating especially when it comes to things which you can't sort of measure very accurately with data. So if you're comparing, you know, the battery life of two smartphones, then it's very easy to to run a simple test and to objectively unbiasedly, you know, run that test. But if mm-hmm. you compare the same thing, like how does one feel in your hand versus the other? I mean, that's you can't be unbiased about that fact. There's just different things are going to go into your thought process, which is going to lead you to that. And your opinion may be different from someone else's opinion. So I think from that point of view, it's not physically possible to be unbiased about, about something, not physically possible to be completely unbiased about something
1: when you're doing a review of it. Yeah, but that, there's one thing to add as well, Is like <clears throat> which you talked about. Is like It's hard to be unbiased, but at the same time, there's also because of affiliate programs and how it works, There's that incentive, especially if you're aiming to get search traffic, right? If you're aiming to rank for the product Mm -hmm. review to a term, which, which is where most of the money comes from, from this kind of posts. Like you want to tell people to buy because that's essentially how you make your money. So if you review a product and you say, don't buy it, like us idiots. then you don't make a lot of money out of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, to to be completely objective, though, I mean, like, we are targeting that as a cert. Like, we want to get that traffic. We're not just writing the review and hoping nobody reads it. And we want either people to... Maybe buy like one of the other products we recommend or join our mailing list and buy our own products or buy something else we recommend in future.
1: I mean, the logic so, behind this is, uh, is these people are buying tools, so they're likely to buy our courses as well. Yeah. So that's the logic. And then people join the retargeting list, they join email list and they read the, the informational content and they engage. So that's the logic behind us doing that. A little bit of, aff- of passive income through affiliate and just getting the right people on the side versus like how to start a blog for free and stuff like that. And I think well, when it, it's
0: sorry, I think yeah, when it I, comes to just cuz you mentioned incentives like with the affiliate commissions this is not a particularly new thing. I mean, this is kind of incentive-based things been happening for for a long time, particularly with physical products, you know, back in the day when people were like journalists were getting sent, you know, free TVs or phones or whatever still happens yeah in order to in order to review them there's always been something of an incentive there and more so you see a lot on youtube these days with like sort of sponsored videos or sponsored posts you know where people get the a free product or a free product to give away and they always mention it because there's like a perceived notion that the general public may think they're being biased even though they're most likely not but yeah you get the point
1: yeah, I mean, we get free stuff sent to Onatario Hacker as well. So, like, like even for SCM Rush, they actually provided us with the account and so on. Not sure they're very happy about this <laughs> anymore, but they did, you know. And
0: I mean, uh, we would have bought it, it anyway. Let's be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, like uh, we buy probably more tools than we get for free. Still, I like it because it gives us this independence and this ability to, you know, tell the truth and like people feel like, whatever. I think it's something to think about. Another thing that I want to say as well is because of that climate and that whole thing that has been going on for a while, right? Like people get free stuff, you review, everyone gives a good review, everyone makes money on the consumer, et cetera. There's been that kind of expectation now that when you do a review, especially in these heavy markets, such as online marketing, health, diet, financial stuff as well, et cetera, it's kind of expected the review is going to be good, you know? And that's why I think, you know, took the SEM rush team by surprise that we, I mean, the rating is not terrible. It's like three out of five stars. It's, it's not great, but it's above average. And so it's like, they're like, what? It's like every other review, if you Google it's like it's like 4.5 stars or five stars, you know? Yeah. I think that is, you know, if you actually want to come in the market and be on the side of the consumer versus on the side of the product owner, which means that they're going to make less sales, especially if you rank which, you know, let's say an uh, authority hacker has a rank, chance to rank in the long run, that's definitely going to hurt sales. And that's why they're kind of defensive and so on. And, uh, you know, you get all sorts of kickback from the product owners, including hate comments and, and other things that we're probably going to talk about a little bit later. So there's another thing that happens as well with reviews. And I've seen that in the weightless market. And it's like actually product owners creating an authority site and just quote unquote reviewing other products, giving a bad review to everything and linking to their own offer. So it seems to be a common practice in many other markets. And, and I'm surprised it hasn't happened in online marketing yet, but I hope I didn't give too many ideas here, but it, it does seem to be happening as well. So I think we should jump onto like, some examples of what we think is probably like biased reviews. The thing is like there is times where it makes business sense to do it. There's times when it doesn't.
0: We'll talk about the the ethics and like what you should do in a little bit. But if I can start with the example of my, my favorite, favorite one, <laughs> which uh, I may or may not have mentioned several times on this
1: podcast. Before is Bluehost. You know, people email me. Yeah, people email me about Bluehost and like, oh, I follow you guys because you said you don't recommend Bluehost, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there you go. That's like a positive externality of actually being unbiased and like being honest about these kind of things. For anyone who's new to the podcast or who hasn't heard us talk about this before, Bluehost is a hosting company. They're quite a large hosting company and they have a very big affiliate program. I would need to double check this, but they are one of, if not the highest paying affiliates for simple hosting. They also convert exceptionally well, but the thing is their hosting's not that great. You know, it'll work. Your site will, will function on it, but there's been many people who have run speed tests and even things like testing the customer support and all, all this stuff. And almost unanimously the results come back pretty badly compared to other hosting companies which are similarly priced therefore you have to assume that most people who are recommending bluehost are doing so to try and make money to try and make money out of their their customers or their their readers or or whomever
1: so yeah i would actually like to challenge that a little Uh bit and that's the example i took in the comments for the scm rush the SEM rush uh, argument in the comments, essentially, where a reader was like, "Well, you know, SEMrush, you know, allows me to find keywords, etc. It's doing the job." And I'm like, "Sure, you could say that it's it's better than having nothing, which is true. It is better than having nothing to have to have that." But you could take the same argument with your smartphone, right? So you could say, having a Nokia thirty three ten, which is you know the the first Nokia that came out, the really old ones with the snake on it, yep. is better than having no phone, right? It's so much better. You can send text messages, you can receive calls, etc. Uh, however, would you trade your smartphone today for a smartphone service, for a Nokia service 310? You wouldn't. And the thing is, it takes critical sense to understand that on the market, being better than nothing is not enough. You need to be good value for the money compared to the competition. And I think some of the people that recommend these things, they, you know, they don't necessarily mean bad. They don't, just don't know better. And as a result, they recommend a subpar product that, you know, has a very well-advertised affiliate scheme and the lack of critical sense to understand that it's not great value for their readers, you know? And I'd like to believe that's the case, for example, for Pat and so on, you know? Out of habit, you know, they started, they knew nothing, they made their first site on Bluehost, they made some money, which you can make money with a site on Bluehost, right? It's just not great speed, it's not great customer service, etc., but you can. And they're like, well, it worked for me, so it can work for others without realizing that a company like SiteGround has so much better server performance as... Staging size has like, you know, the SSL have got implemented so much faster. A lot of reasons why you would pick SiteGround, like they they have better architecture, etc. So many more reasons you would pick SiteGround over Bluehost at this price range and you get so much more value. But they've never even known about that. That's maybe why they do that as well. So, like, you know, I'm defending them a little bit on that. Still ignorance, you know.
0: I mean, I disagree. I don't think ignorance is a defense in this situation. How many people do you think would have contacted Pat Flynn, for example, <laughs> saying Bluehost sucks? Would you think he just...
1: Yeah, but like the same them? way the same way the people that defend the Rush do, they say, well, I used it and it worked for me, you know, which it's possible.
0: I can see the case with SEM Rush because it does sort of serve serve its purpose, but in our space, in the internet marketing space, when people are like pretty sort of savvy with knowing how affiliate programs work and yeah, things like the, site the, speed has has become more and more important in in recent years.
1: Yeah. It has for to, our readers, not for the smart passive income readers, which are much more of the beginner crowd. You know, sure.
0: But, you know, if you're recommending a tool like in that situation, I still don't think it's fair to your audience and to your own credibility to recommend one that's subpar when you're 99.9% sure that he knows that there's a better tool out there, better, yeah, cheaper, far. faster
1: than. I'm not taking this one example in particular. I'm just saying it can happen as well that people like are just out of not understanding the market. Uh, recommend subpar solutions.
0: Absolutely. And you know, I'm sure we have done
1: we do that or sometimes. currently do it. Like, well, you know, there's a debate for now, for example, on Thrive Content Builder. So yeah. we're testing a bunch of other builders right now. We might change our recommendation. I'm taking my time to test everything and to wait for new releases this year. But, you know, there's a, probably a 50% chance our recommendation would change this year. Although they have a new version coming up that looks pretty good, so we'll see. But like you know, in that case, maybe right now we're not the most optimal as well. So you know, you could argue that. Yeah.
0: But we are, as you said, sort of taking positive steps to 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 rectify that. Yes, I think that's the key thing. There, and that you you will find that most most people in most niches they'll uh, recommend the most profitable product, and that's it. Yeah, and the difficulty is that in. A lot of cases, or in some cases, that is the best business decision to make. They make more money consistently over the long term by doing that, which is unfortunate. But it also, it comes down to kind of like how much you think that being or not being objective or or giving false reviews or whatever you call it, how much you think that's going to actually harm your long-term credibility. Like I don't, expect and what you have to
1: do is your credibility right so yeah a lot of the people that review the tools they don't sell courses they don't sell anything so even if
0: so if you're if you're running a stage one authority site where you just have a bunch of links to you know and trying to if you just have a bunch of reviews or best x or y posts or something like that and you just want to get some search traffic and get those clicks get get some commissions coming in then It works, you know. I'm not trying to be like the moral police here or anything, but it works. That's probably the best way to go. But as soon as you start trying to do longer-term stuff, like selling your own products or you know actually generating any kind of consistent community, then I think it's it can be quite detrimental to your credibility in that sense.
1: Yeah, although there are plenty of counterexamples out there, it it makes it more difficult essentially. I think it's true. So that. You know, what used to work five, ten years ago, it it won't work as much anymore. People are so much more critical of the information they find online today
0: Mm -hmm.
1: than what they found, you know, even like a couple of years ago. People start understanding what affiliate marketing is and, you know, why things would be biased. And essentially it's the classic YouTube sellout Comment syndrome, you know, like when mm-hmm. people mention any brand on YouTube now, like it's like sell out, you, you just it's sponsored, etc. <laughs> and I do believe it's going to come to blogs as well when people are just going to call people sell outs for mentioning brands like that or trying to do it in a, even in a very casual way. Yeah, um,
0: I, I think in, in online marketing, it's, it's always a kind of a different niche because everyone's always known about affiliate programs and that there's commission being made. When people are recommending things, it's just there seems to be this kind of like unwritten rule that you don't sort of say anything controversial about someone yeah. doing that.
1: So I'm not. Uh, I think sure if you want to be how. big, you need to be friends with everyone, right? You need to be the upper end of your of your of your market, right, where everything's amazing and and so on. I guess I guess it's kind of like our European roots that makes us very critical. We're just sad, uh, is, miserable people. <laughs> it's not It's not like that. It's like, actually, there is a big cultural difference between the way you argument in the U.S. and the way you argument in, in Europe. How so? So in the US, in U.S., you pick a point of view, so you pick a position, mm-hmm. and then you build a case for it. That's it. And then the, the stronger case for wins in a debate, essentially. Whereas in Europe, it tends to be that half of your argument is against your position. You actually prove that it's great by actually challenging it i, I mean I, th- I, th- right. I
0: think we're getting into kind of like quite a philosophical debate here about yes. the nature of truth and reality which is i would i would love on. to talk about this for hours to be honest with you i think it's a great topic but, but we've
1: got three sinners left so we gotta we gotta deserve <laughs> them a little you
0: know no, no but but like to actually like comb in on something you said there i think i think there's a there's definitely some kind of I'm not sure if it's correlation or or there's something there. I, I definitely feel like speaking to European people is, is is kind of a bit different to talking to Americans in that regard. But it's interesting because that's kind of like how science works or the similarity is in order to prove something, you kind of need to make a very serious attempt to disprove it. So by kind of like attacking your own position, you... And, failing to successfully do so you therefore strengthen the position which i i guess i i mean is that how we've been subconsciously doing our reviews
1: or uh, no not completely i mean it's like we, it's more linear than that we walk through the to the stuff etc but we try to find the bad stuff right even for like you won't find a review on authority hacker that, has, that says the tool is perfect Never ever, and we try always to find what's bad about it oh well, that's and then
0: that's that's just because we haven't reviewed Legend of Zelda Breath of the wild, yet.
1: Uh, <laughs> 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 all right, sell out, <laughs> but yeah, you, you know what I mean it's like we're always like, okay, what's wrong, etc. and we love HRFs, right and there's there's a there's a review coming up of their new keyword tool, which i I find it really good, but we actually like spent a lot of time trying to find bad things about it and and there are some bad things such as. The fact that they refresh search volumes very frequently. And like when I actually search for the same keywords three weeks later, where I did like my BQ keyword search for the, to order a lot of content, all of a sudden it doesn't have search volume anymore. And I'm like, wow, okay, how do I trust that? So th- there are flows to that and, and so on. And we do spend a lot of time doing that. Whereas if you read most reviews out there, it's going to be like, oh, it's great. This is where it's great. Reason one, this is where it's great. Reason two, this is where it's great. Reason three, click here to buy it. You know, you know, we're, we're definitely not scientific in the way we do it, but you can feel there's a different approach in how it's written. I would say. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a perfect bridge to jump onto the next section, which is like how to be less biased. Yep. And I'll let you take it over.
0: Okay. So the first thing I want to say is like, uh, you should be comparing like for like. I know there's a lot of likes in that sense. So the main thing to consider is like, take the example of headphones. You can say this set of headphones A are better than headphones B. And that may be your subjective opinion. But if headphones A are noise canceling headphones designed for traveling on a plane and headphones B are extra bassy DJ headphones, then there's not really much point in comparing the two. And y- you can't really say one is better than the other objectively because they're, they're kind of different products, even though they look the same and they both kind of have the same general function. So you need to make sure you're comparing like for like and try to sure. be at what were
1: you can say. I was going to say, like, you need to think about the end need, you know, like the, mm-hmm. what, what it does for you. Like, that's how we try to compare products. We're, like, we're doing a bunch of like roundups and like comparisons and stuff right now with Lewis. And it's like, we're like, okay, keyword research. And we're like, okay, on one end, there's like competitor keyword research and one end, there is this traditional keyword research where you put a keyword in there, it gives you a bunch of suggestions. And for each of them, like, then we're like, okay, you know, some tools do both. So like, they can be in both roundups. Some tools do just one, et cetera, but essentially, we just focus on the end needs, so I need traditional keyword research, and then you you look at what are the options in there, but like you know if your d j headset like in the case of the headset, it would be like, "Oh, I need a headset to travel versus I need a headset with the best sound quality to d j or whatever, and like these needs are different, and therefore the products in there would be different, I would say
0: yeah, and something which we've kind of discovered or or still trying to kind of work on a little bit is when comparing all of the products in a marketplace, like how do you do that? Do you first review everything and then compare them or do you compare them all and then write the reviews? So I think you guys did quite a lot of changes with that recently with Authority <laughs> yes. Hacker, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, we started with like initial reviews, like that's the ones you're seeing on the blog right now, like, you know, the SEM one that was controversial, there was Keyword Finder before and so on. But then we ended up repeating a lot of stuff. It's like we were bringing... Like more fundamental debates into each review, which didn't make sense because if we were publishing it as a blog post, like literally we'd be repeating the same debates every time we publish a review, which is uh, not very interesting for an audience that follows you. Could make sense if you're just doing SEO. So now we're actually focusing on, on doing the roundups first and doing the big debates on like what makes a good keyword tool, for example, in there. And then we'll publish the individual reviews as kind of like more in-depth version of what we talked about in the roundup. And and then we'll refer to the roundup every time there is a debate that comes up in the initial review. So we don't need to repeat it all the time.
0: And I think what that does is it kind of allows a set of structure to emerge on how we're going to tackle a review of a specific type in this case
1: keyword software or whatever yeah and it plays with like your silo structure your size structure etc it's all interconnected you know
0: Uh, if you think of the the case of like a a cell phone review site they they have a pretty standard format you know they look at features build quality price things like battery life how good is the camera how durable is you know all that kind of stuff but it's it's structured in more or less the same way so when you're Comparing different phones, or when you're reviewing different phones, you you kind of have this structure to go through and you have all the the points to check. And because you're approaching each one in the same way, it allows you to be more objective and compare things more kind of equally or fairly.
1: Um, Uh, Yeah. In terms of SEO, it opens a lot of opportunities as well. Like, let's say after you've reviewed five phones with the same structure. And you're like, okay, you can make an article about what is the best phone camera, right? And take the data from each individual review. And it gives you a lot of opportunities because you can take each criteria and make it its own page as well yeah. and mash up what was in the review. So it's it's nice to build formats, essentially.
0: Exactly. The other thing, and this may sound kind of like quite obvious, is uh, actually use and acquire the products which you're reviewing, now, there is a lot of debate around this, and again it, it comes back to what your the purpose of your site is and Just to caveat and just to be totally honest, in some of our sites, we review things which we haven't used um personally, but there is an interesting way kind of around it which i'll I'll, I'll just explain obviously, the reason to acquire and use a product is yourself yourself is because you can give a much more objective view and you can really 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 see how it works versus In many cases, just going off what other people are saying online. And as we know, as we said earlier, other people reviewing the products may actually be biased because of things like affiliate programs or vested interests or whatever else. So, you know, you have this big web of like Chinese whispers kind of spiraling out of control, and no one's actually saying anything remotely true. Now, there is an interesting way around that and we talk about this a lot in the authority site system and that's to use Amazon feedback and you can actually see on Amazon if someone's has actually purchased a product. There's a little, uh, I think it's called verified purchaser button yeah, uh, verified on, purchase on the review. So if you look at those people, what they're saying and you take a big enough sample of them, then the law of large numbers applies and even if there are a few oddball reviews in there, then you're generally going to get a pretty good feel for how good or bad a product is. And the way we do it on Health Ambition, for example, is we do it in kind of like roundup style. So rather than saying, I mean, we're not saying, hey, we used this and we lost lots of weight or like, we're not making stuff up. We will, we would instead sort of refer to claims which other people have made by way of these, these kind of reviews. So that's kind of like a, a little, Legitimate way around it, I guess.
1: Okay, so let's just jump onto the next section where uh, we should talk about like effects of negative reviews. So we're gonna come back a little bit on the SCM rush story and a few other stories that happened to us for giving not so stellar reviews.
0: <laughs> the that, uh, rush was actually like the least bad thing that's happened. Yes. It's just someone, someone he, they wrote a, ba- a bad comment on the the review, but like someone tried to sue us once. That was much worse. So. <laughs> Tell us what happened. So, in fact, uh, let's get to that one at the end because that's like the most kind of juicy one. Uh, but there, first, wasn't
1: there like a, a hotel that closed in Thailand because of your bad review on oh, TripAdvisor? Yeah.
0: So, I, I love TripAdvisor. I think it's a great, great tool. I use it a lot for restaurant and hotel recommendations whenever I go somewhere. And the story Gail's mentioning is basically I had, this was I think three years ago now, I had gone to Thailand to meet up with you and had booked some like cheap hotel. It was like 30 bucks a night or something. I'd made a reservation online uh, on their website, got confirmation. I hadn't paid anything and I didn't have to put my card down, but it was all confirmed. Showed up at the hotel and they, I guess, didn't check their emails or something or didn't check their booking system. And so they didn't have a room for me. And they were like, well, sorry. And they just sort of left me there.
1: (laughs) Like they do in Thailand. Um, Yeah.
0: So I left a... It wasn't... I didn't get angry or something. I just... It said exactly what happened. Like, I booked and they didn't honor my booking. Be careful. So I I can't recommend whether it's good or bad because I didn't get to stay there in the end. Be careful. Uh, And it got, like, quite a lot of thanks. I think it's the function on TripAdvisor where other people read it and if they like your review, then thanks. So... Yeah, I, I have no idea if the hotel. I don't think it would have a business or something. You're just exaggerating, <laughs> but a lot of people seem to seem to take that to heart. But it's interesting you bring up TripAdvisor because it is something which the way in which hotels and restaurants handle negative reviews on TripAdvisor is actually very telling of the quality of the establishment themselves. So you will see almost consistently that I mean I mean the worst reviewed restaurants, they don't even read it. They're probably not even aware that it's there. But the kind of the bad ones or the the average ones, quite often what you'll see happen is uh, the manager or the owner or someone will respond to those reviews, which you can do on TripAdvisor. And this has actually happened to me with a restaurant in Budapest, which I, I just thought the food was terrible and it was overpriced. So I, I said so. And then the the manager Left a uh, feedback for me, not feedback, but uh, a response to a review saying that I was some kind of shill for the competition for some other Tafas restaurant in, in the city. That's
1: what SCMR so, said as well. <laughs> well, it, was, it, it, it must be true.
0: Kind of like a, a version of that. But yeah, I mean, the the way in which they handle that is, is quite often telling of generally how, how well they're ranked. Because if you look at the, you know, the, the four, four and a half star Top 100 places in in any city—they'll have some bad reviews, and usually the management will be observing them, and they'll they'll post something like you know some kind of semi-standardized apology. We'll look into this. We'll fix it. Kind of response. But if you look at any of these hotels, especially which have won like TripAdvisor awards, there was one in Budapest won like the best hotel in the world or something quite recently. If you look at the TripAdvisor reviews on that, it's amazing. If they get a bad review, the response to it is just incredible. So they will really take the time to actually understand what the customers' issues were. They'll sort of list out where they'll and like rephrase how they failed or how they let the customer down, and they'll explain very specifically which action points they're going to take in order to fix this or, or which they've already done or which they plan to plan to do in the in the near future and those kind of responses you only get them in like the top 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 hotels in the world not necessarily like talking about how much they charge just like the top rated places which is kind of a microcosm of what happened as you said with with sem rush so i think it was on tuesday or something their ceo responded in a i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna
1: no comments. Uh,
0: I'm not. I'm not going to say anything like you know hateful or anything. But I don't think it was the most constructive response
1: he could have. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe 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 uh, come up with. Uh, a reader pointed it out as well, so I think that can be agreed. But yeah, essentially calling us like agents of the competitions. You Which, know, I mean, anyone
0: yeah. who's been reading us for any amount of time kind of knows it's not
1: true. But yeah, yeah I just trash the age of tool on one point already in this podcast, so you know it's like i i like the A-Trust, but definitely not perfect as well and happy to say as well so let's talk about so
0: the 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 point yeah. though i wanted to make though is like if you are doing a review and someone uh, like and you're being honest and you know you make some negative points and the product owner or another customer or just anyone posts like something bad like criticizing you for being negative or criticizing you. You know, the most important thing is this is the internet. It's very easy to start lashing out and calling people names and doing that kind of stuff. Just rise above that. Listen to what people have to say. If they make any legitimate reasoned points, then by all means incorporate that. Fix any mistakes you made and move forward with that. It's not its its not like such a big deal if someone disagrees with your, your point of view. And if you're being negative then uh, about uh, a product, then this will happen reasonably often, I would say. Um, so you just have to be sort of kind of prepared in how you deal with that. Now, one thing which happens, I think it was about two years ago, in on Health Ambition when we reviewed, it was like an ebook about how to improve your eyesight, like naturally or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can which, call the name of the product. We don't want to review it anymore anyway. <laughs> It's called vision without glasses, so don't buy it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not even sure if it's still available as a product. But we reviewed it, gave it a negative review, and I'm not. We didn't get any communication from the product owner, or it, it may not even have been the product owner. It could have been uh, another competitor who was yeah. trying to rank. But they started negative SEOing us. Like we started getting hundreds of links, thousands. Um, yeah, yeah, to pointing towards that that URL. And it didn't affect us, didn't affect our rankings in, in any way. Um, and especially now that the page level updates come come out last year, it sh- negative F- SEO shouldn't be an issue. But, you know, it's kind of, it messes up some of your stats and the the graph in Ahrefs is not quite so accurate because of it and things like that. I mean, there there are ways around it. OCD. This. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The point is, they can't really hurt you with these things, so don't like kind of stress out
1: too yeah, much. Yeah, but it can so. happen. Like if you do a negative, a negative review, it's quite likely that you could get an, a negative SEO attack, even if it doesn't work or whatever. Like you know, people will think that it can affect your rankings or buy some Fiverr packages or whatever, and just like spam your site essentially.
0: Yeah, which I, that, I mean, I think it's a total waste of money to to do that, but it can often backfire if someone if the product owner kind of escalates the situation then it can often actually draw more attention to the the thing I think we've mentioned this like three or four times in our podcast now
1: yeah so, I mean that happened on uh, Matthew Woodward as well I think it was with WP Engine that just didn't do very well for him yeah and uh, he wrote a post about it, and then they got super, like there was some really big chain of email, etc. And then he made a second post about the chain of email, you know? Yeah. And like emailed it to his list or something. And same thing, like the SMR review. The truth is, I didn't even email it to a list. Not that many people saw it. But now we're talking about it. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, this podcast is going to a list. So it's kind of yeah. So,
1: yeah, I mean, it's a a good topic to talk about. I think we should talk about um, the lawsuit thing that you mentioned, though.
0: Yeah, okay, so this was not fun, actually. So, last year, a company in the U.S., I think it was, tried to sue us for a five-figure sum because we had said two negative statements, bullet points, in fact, about one of their supplements. So, we got a fairly long letter it's like a PDF letter written by a well, I can only assume was a proper lawyer to our company email address, basically saying you have seven days to remove this and pay us X amount of money. So you know that was a bit worrying, especially because on on health ambition, it was not actually Gail or I who's doing the writing; it's kind of outsourced. And there's not actually, I mean, we have an editorial an editor in in place. We were quite lucky in this case because what they were claiming the, the defamatory statements which they they claimed were actually we're not sure if they're true or not but other people had reported on them so there were negative reviews on Amazon saying that i think one of the examples was like there was the packaging was defective so mm. we, we had said some users have reported defective packaging, which is true because if you go on Amazon, some people had reported that.
1: Yeah. We don't we're say these we're defective. We saying, saying people the say this.
0: Yeah, exactly. We're not saying the packaging is defective. So that was kind of the basis of why we were okay with this, but very easily. And I can see how other people can, can get in trouble with this kind of stuff. If we hadn't had that position then it could have been uh it could have been much worse and we we might have actually had to you know settle with them or or even like engage in like some kind of drawn out legal proceedings now one thing i will say as well is we were completely in the right in this position and they had no basis to do to sue us they'd also asked that we remove the, the content which we sh- shouldn't have had to do or we didn't legally speaking had to have to do but we did anyway because it was making no money or almost no money for us and the hassle and the time of the lawyer was you know not insignificant to us so it just to kind of keep them quiet and like make them go away from that perspective in that occasion on that site we just got rid of those two negative points which i don't think anyone would have kind of really missed too much yeah. but yeah you really do have to be careful because at the end of the day you're responsible for anything you put up on your site and if you make incorrect or untrue statements about someone's product you can and you may eventually get a
1: letter along the
0: lines of of this
1: yeah that's why we try to back up everything with facts like for example i'm I'm gonna go back one last time to i don't want (laughs) to i don't want to be horrible (laughs) but like you know for example oleg who's the ceo who commented? Was like, ah, oh, like, uh, you're not comparing the same keywords in the screenshots. It's not fair because we we're comparing like what you get on the same thing on H- href and SEMrush. But we're like, actually, that's not what we said. If you read the statement in the article, we're not comparing the keywords. We're comparing the fact that you can refresh the metrics on the screen sh- on the, on href, but not on SEMrush. And, you know, it means a lot of metrics are missing on your tool versus not on theirs, you know, and like you just need to be very, very, pr- when you express criticism towards something, It needs to be something tangible that you can see or touch or whatever. So like, if we ordered the product and the packaging was defective and we took a picture, I think we'd have grounds to say the packaging sometimes is defective. Mm -hmm. And that, that was our case. Here's the photo. I don't think they would have grounds to attack us. But same thing. like The reason why we were not in trouble here is because we said people online have said their packaging was defective, which can be verified. Where we would have been in trouble is we said... Packaging can be defective when we have absolutely no proof of it other than people, like what people have said, you know? Mm-hmm. So any kind of criticism needs to be heavily backed up with facts and screenshots and photos and, you know, any kind of proof that you can put there. I would say that is the condition to express criticism towards something. Otherwise, yeah, that's just free, like defamation. You're just attacking for without, with no ground or without giving your, any proof, even if you do yeah. have them provide them, that's when I think you can be in trouble. And that's when I think is detrimental to the user and the internet in general, you know? So that's what I would recommend people to use. This is not an incitation to do negative reviews without proof. That's not what we're saying. We're saying be honest. If you have a bad experience you can talk about it, but you need to be able to back it up and prove you had a bad experience. So I think that is actually a pretty good conclusion to that podcast, especially for a podcast that's supposed to be 20 minutes and is already 47 minutes (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) in. We definitely need to work on our timing. But actually, because we totally forgot to do it last week, but I want to add in an Ask Us Anything question. So... Every week, or supposed to be every week, we're going to be answering one of your guys' questions. So if you guys want to ask Gail or I anything, then please go to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask. And you can either type your question or submit a voice recording which for those of you who have already done that, thank you. I'm going to try and figure out hopefully next week how to actually replay that through the Skype or whatever we're using and then answer it. That would be quite cool. This question this week comes from Jack Fitzgerald and he's asking whether we've looked at solutions like Skimlinks, which allow people to consolidate all their affiliates in one platform. And basically what do we think of it?
1: Okay. I mean, actually we just released a blog post on like 55 uh, good affiliate programs for 2017 it's one of them it's good in the sense that it's a lot less work you just install the plugin on your site it replaces all the links to affiliate links which is cool however they take a decent percentage of your commission so for newbies it's not a lot you know it's like if you're making a hundred dollars a month and they take 10 percent it's cutting you ten dollars which is not the end of the world however if you get into the five figures realm or something like that per month then it's going to be hundreds or thousands of dollars. And at that point, I don't think it's worth it. So, you know, it can be okay for newbies, but so is Amazon, you know, like if you use Amazon and like Genius, which automatically replaces links on your site as well to Amazon, it does the same. And actually with the new structure, newbies are favored in the sense that even if you don't sell a lot, you're going to get the same commission rates as the people that sell a lot. So the people that sell a lot you know, they got a cut. We like, we talked about this in the last podcast. However, for newbies, I would say it's actually slightly better now. So for that reason, unless what you sell is not on Amazon, I would actually recommend if you want a similar like set it and forget setup to put genius on your site, which costs $10 per month, I think, which is around, you know, what you would maybe pay for skim links if you made like $200 a month. And Amazon is just like you, it allows you to scale better with the same convenience at the beginning so that's what i would say awesome okay and this is not a negative review against kimlex by the way
0: (laughs) (laughs) if you guys have any thoughts or comments or questions or you want to hate on us about our negative reviews then you can check out the show notes for this podcast it's going to be up authorityhacker.com forward slash review podcast all one word and do leave us a comment there. And also let us know, do you guys like the longer, like 45, 50-minute ones? Or should we tr- really try and keep these shorter? Let us know in the comments. We, we, we yeah, I think to like people to hear, from hear that.
1: End. If people hear that, they're literally like, they're, they're still here. And the people that <laughs> don't hear that, they're not here anymore. It's
0: going to be an <laughs> unbi- unbiased uh, survey then, I guess.
1: All right, cool. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye